question of fear. We're all afraid of it. And there are things in relationship to this fear that you and I have to recognize. That if you trust in God and let Him be your guide and strength, you won't have that fear. And your fear is in relationship to your trust. As your faith in God gets stronger, your fear dissipates. And as your faith in God gets weaker, your fear arises. You want to have fear dissipated and removed? Then you rise up and hold up the name of the living God and look to Him to undertake for you, and He will. It's our faith that brings victory. It's our faith that casts out fear and enables us to put our trust in the blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We will worship the man of Galilee who went to a cross 2,000 years ago. And no one can take his place. No one will intercede or interfere. We will not permit it. So it is we have faith without fear. Hey there, Converge Nation. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship experience right here at Converge, a life-giving community of faith where Jesus, people, and purpose intersect. We believe that God has called us to be the kind of church where faith and culture collide. And so we're excited that you're here with us this morning. In fact, we're super excited that you've been on this journey of faith over fear with us. And I'm so grateful to God for the opportunity that sheltering in place and, and, and being quarantined has afforded us. Yes, on the one hand, it's been inconvenient. It's been a tremendous adjustment for you and your family. But man, we see just the hand of God at work in and through all of this because sheltering in place has afforded us a unique opportunity to go beyond the four walls of Converge Church. And so I don't say this lightly. I know it has become kind of cliche that the church has left the building. Listen, the church has left the building and that's what Jesus intended from the very beginning when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we welcome this unique opportunity that God has given the church in this hour, in this season, uh, in this moment. And we're glad, again, that you are on the journey with us. Amen. We're going to dive into the word and uh, we're continuing our theme of faith over fear. And here's why I believe that's important. Paul said it this way to Timothy, his protege. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity. But what he has given us, notice Paul is making this distinction between the general response that people have when crisis uh, uh, comes and, and what our response should be as people of faith. This is what he says to Timothy. He says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but what he has given unto us is a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. And that's where we derive this principle of faith over Fear, And we see that it's replete throughout all of Scripture. In fact, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus turns to Jairus after he hears the news that his daughter has passed. And naturally, a father who loves his child would be fearful. But Jesus' uh, uh, admonition to Jairus was simply this, do not be afraid, only believe. There was another man who came to Jesus, uh, uh, petitioning Jesus to heal his son. And he says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. In Joshua chapter 1, uh, 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 God's about to commission Joshua, and Joshua's about to start where Moses left off. Listen, listen, 
uh, where Moses ended is going to be Joshua's beginning. And, and, and the Lord speaks to Joshua and says to him, uh, do not be afraid, only be of good courage. I believe that God is speaking the exact same thing to us in this season. He's admonishing us. He's exhorting us. He's inviting us to choose faith over fear. And as we choose faith over fear, I believe God is also inviting us to be of a different spirit. That our mark of distinction in the earth as devoted Christ followers would be a mark of faith and not fear. In fact, that's the title of today's message, A Different Spirit. Let's pray and we'll dive into the word together. Father, we come to you in that name that is above every other name, the strong name of Jesus. And Lord, we invite you to, 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 to govern and to oversee everything we do in this moment. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. I yield to you completely and implicitly. I pray that you would take this voice, these words, this mind, and flow freely through me. I thank you, Father, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. So, Lord, I thank you that in this moment there is freedom both to declare and to hear your word accurately. Thank you, Lord, for your people. Speak to us, minister to us as only you can in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. We're continuing our Faith Over Fear series. Today's message is titled A Different Spirit. Our anchor text this morning is lifted from Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. We'll do our best to exegete the text to the greatest degree, to the full extent uh, that we're allowed in this session. And I pray that you will be encouraged. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, and you guys know at Converge Church, we are sticklers for the word. If you have your Bible, turn with me to our anchor text. Again, it's lifted from Numbers chapter 13. If you have your mobile device, your smart device, look, if you're technologically savvy, man, we celebrate that as well. Here's the good news. You can also follow along on version. Uh, the notes are available there, so you can follow along there on version. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Numbers chapter number 13. We'll begin reading at verse 1. Uh, God has led the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, through the wilderness, and he's brought them to Kadesh Barnea on the outskirts of the promised land. Uh, they're, 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 they're just close enough uh, to see and to taste and to experience the promise of God. Uh, so in Numbers chapter 13, the narrative picks up with these words, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. I love that because God speaks to Moses and say, hey man, this moment that you've been waiting for, this season of transition that you've been anticipating is right now. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to send 12 men, everyone a leader from his tribe to spy out the land. I want them to go in and I want them to get a glimpse of what I have promised them. So the narrative picks up in verse, verses 1 and 2 and it gives us a glimpse of the promise of God. How many of you realize this morning that you have a promise from God that is immutable and unchanging? In fact, Paul said it this way, that every promise of God is both yes and amen. So if God promised it, 
he will fulfill it and he will fulfill it in you and through you. So the Israelites, man, this is about a million people who have traversed through the wilderness. They've seen God part the Red Sea miraculously. They've seen God make provision miraculously, raining down manna from heaven, bread from heaven. And now they're on the precipice of the promise of God. And God says, send in 12 spies. Each one a leader. Why is that critical? Because each one of those men had influence with their respective tribes. Uh, I think this is critical because not only were these men real life leaders, but I think there is a uh, metaphorical implication that as we're about to enter our place of promise, as we're about to enter into and cross over into our place of purpose, we have to be extremely careful and diligent about the voices we allow to influence us. Listen, these were 12 leaders, men who had influence with their tribes that God is about to send into a land flowing with milk and honey that the multitudes had not seen, but they would have the privilege to see first. And what they saw and what they heard and what they said and what they experienced was about to influence the people who trusted and followed them. Listen to me, in this season, as you stand... Uh, on the sort of the borders, the borders of the promise of God and the purpose of God, begin to consider which voices are influencing me, whose voice is influencing me. Uh, it's critically important. And if you've ever heard me minister, you've heard me say this, uh, that you and I, our lives are the sum total of the voices we've chosen to trust over the course of our lifetime. Here's the second reason that's important. Uh, whatever you keep your mind on, you stay in contact with. Listen, the information that these 12 spies are about to gather is going to influence the response of the people that they lead. These people are going to begin to move in the direction of what they have heard and the voices that they trusted. And that's why Moses said, send 12 leaders, because whatever they say is going to determine the direction the people follow. And again, I'm going to say it once more. I'm going to reiterate this. In this season, as you're waiting and preparing to cross over into purpose and uh, experience the promise of God, you need to stop long enough to say whose voice is influencing most. In fact, I think that's even, uh, even more critical as we navigate COVID-19. And that's why the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that there are many voices in the world, none without significance. You turn on the news, there's the subject matter experts and they're the pundits. And, and if we're not careful, our ears... And our hearts will follow after all these voices because, again, there are many voices in the world, none without significance. Whose voice will you choose to follow? The narrative picks up in verse number three. So Moses sent from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, and all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Verses 14, verses 14 through 15 uh, give us sort of a summary of these men, the names of the leaders and the tribes they represented. Uh, what we find here is, is something very interesting in verse 16. And it says, these are the names of the men who Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. 
listen, listen, not only did Moses send, send in uh, 12 spies, he appointed one, his, uh, his confidant, his right hand, Joshua, who would ultimately be his successor to be a captain over the 12. I find it interesting that before he releases the 12 spies to cross over into, from Kadesh Barnea, into the land flowing with milk and honey, that he, he calls Hosea aside, because that was Joshua's name. He calls him aside. Now, the interesting thing is that Hosea or Hosea means salvation. But before Moses releases the 12 spies, Joshua being their captain, he changes his name. He didn't only change his name, but in changing his name, there was a change of identity. In fact, I believe that in changing Joshua's name, Hosea's name to Joshua, what Moses was giving to the 12 spies was an indication that what they were about to experience would require divine intervention. That what they were about to experience, what they were about to see, what they were about to feel, what they were about to, to hear would require God's hand upon their lives. You see, Hosea means salvation, but the name Joshua means Yahweh, the Lord, is our salvation. And before he commissions Joshua to lead the children into this recon mission, this intelligence gathering mission, this reconnaissance mission, the first thing he does is I'm going to appoint a leader. His name is Salvation, but I want his identity to be in the fact that Yahweh is our salvation. Why is that critical? Listen, if we don't understand the, the source and the origin of the battle that we're in, we will pick the wrong strategy. Listen, let me tell you again, uh, what they're about to do is not just a reconnaissance mission in the natural. It goes much further than that because what they're about to do is the fulfillment of promise. And, and what they didn't realize was that even though there was an open door of opportunity for them to come into their promise, there were many adversaries. And the first thing that Moses does, this seasoned leader, this, this God chaser, he commissions a leader and he says, as you take them in, this is what I want you to recognize, Yahweh, Jehovah, is your salvation. You know what he was saying? He's saying, take the presence of God with you. As you go and trust that the hand of the Lord is upon you. May I just submit to you, Converge Nation, that as we uh, figure out these, these uncertain times, may I just submit to you that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood? I, I had a, a wake-up call uh, this weekend uh, when I saw the reports in the news that in less than three weeks, in less than three weeks, a $2 trillion, listen to me, a $2 trillion stimulus package had evaporated. Listen, we're not talking about billions. We're talking about trillions of dollars. Of the $2 trillion, $349 billion in two weeks that was set aside for small businesses, gone. There is a long list of small businesses that haven't been funded. There are businesses closed. There are uh, uh, 10, over 10 million Americans unemployed. This is truly unprecedented. And we have to stop long enough to discern that the source of this thing is much bigger than just a biological virus. 
we have to consider that maybe this is bigger than just the economic impacts that we have experienced. What if, what if what we're experiencing right now is what Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 6 when he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What if, if this moment that we're all experiencing has tremendous spiritual significance? And let me make it crystal clear. Let me make it crystal clear for anybody who might misconstrue what I'm saying. God is not the origin of the coronavirus. He is a good God. He is a good, good father. In fact, James chapter 1 says that in him there is no darkness and he cannot be tempted by evil. God is not the author of what's going on, but God will use what's happening to fulfill his purpose in and through our lives. So notice what happens. Notice what happens. They're about to cross over and God wants them to get a little taste, a little glimpse of what he has already prepared for them. But again, this is more than just natural. I believe that God wants them to discern and decipher and to recognize what's happening in the land spiritually. And so he anoints Hoshea, he changes his name from salvation, which speaks of self-dependence, to Joshua the Lord saves. Let's pick up the narrative here in verse 17. And it says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Notice they were supposed to go and see what the land is like, but this is what they were looking for. Let me pump the brakes right there for a second. We often talk about blind faith, that sometimes trusting God means that we have no instructions, that we just fly blind. But notice what Moses said to them, when you go into the land, don't do it haphazardly, don't do it randomly, do it intentionally. In fact, I want you to go up to a high place. I want you to go to a vantage point that allows you to see what you couldn't see on this level. And for some of us in this season, God is bringing us up higher. But the reason he's bringing us up higher is so that we can see what we couldn't see on the level where we operated and existed before. So he brings them up and he says to them, this is what you're going to look for. This is what I want you to discern and decipher when I bring you to this new level. When you level up and I, and I allow you to come to this new vantage point, this is what you need to look for. I don't know who this is for, but you might find yourself in a place of uncertainty. On the inside, you're like, man, I'm close. I'm close to something big. I'm close to something special. Let's take a cue from what Moses instructs the 12 spies to look for. Uh, verse 17, he sent them up. Verse 18, and see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. Whether they are few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. And as you do it, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land, because now the time for the season of the first ripe grapes had come. Listen, for some of us in this season, God is saying, I don't want you to walk through these times 
haphazardly. I want you to be deliberate. I want you to be intentional. And I want you to count the cost. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, before a man starts to build or before a man goes to war, let him count the cost. And it goes back to something I've said before, uh, that, that, that plan better, worry less. Plan better, worry less. As they go in to perform this reconnaissance mission, it's very practical. I believe that God was calling them to do something that was spiritual, but he also gave them some very practical instructions. Listen, as you and I walk this walk of faith, there are some very practical things that we can do. And the first thing that he said was count the cost. Consider how big the land is, how many people dwell there, whether they're few or mighty. Consider the opposition that you will face as I cross you over into the land of promise. Now notice verse 24. This says the place was called the Valley of Eshal because of the cluster of grapes which the men of Israel cut down there. Listen, verse 25, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Look at verse 23. It says, then they came to the Valley of Eshal and there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. The thing was so big, Converge Nation, that they had to carry one cluster of grapes between two men on a pole. And God was saying, this is what I'm about to bring you into. A land that truly flows with milk and honey. You see, God had brought them out of Egypt, the land of not enough. They had come through two million, some commentators say, two million Israelites, not one feeble among them, into the wilderness, the land of of just enough. I don't know where you find yourself today uh, in the midst of everything that's happening in our world. Maybe you've experienced the land of not enough. Or maybe you're in that place where you know what? You say, Pastor Ray, I find myself in a place that's just enough. Listen, God was about to bring them into the promised land, a land that flowed with milk and honey. And the grapes were so big that two men had to carry one cluster. Come on, somebody. Hey, that's good news this morning. That is good news this morning. And I think what God wants to do is just begin to whet our appetite for what he wants to do next in our lives. I know you are intimately acquainted and familiar with everything that life has presented, up and up and presented to you in your life up until now, but God wants to whet your appetite. He wants to give you and me an appreciation that there is more beyond where we find ourselves right now. And what we have to do in order to lay hold of it is to choose faith over fear. Glory to God. And so after 40 days from spying out the land, they returned. Notice this was very thorough. This was very meticulous. They didn't just go in overnight and spy. They were in the land for 40 days doing exactly what Moses had instructed them to do to see how big the cities were, to see if there were any strongholds, to see how strong the people were, and to see whether they were few or many. So after 40 days, they returned. Come on, somebody. This is the exciting part. I can imagine being one of the Israelites after 40 days to see Joshua, to see Caleb, uh, uh, who also went with Joshua, and the other 10 spies coming back. And not only were they coming back, they weren't 
Listen, they weren't coming back empty-handed. They came back with pomegranates, and they came back with figs, and they came back with the fruit of the land. You know why? To get the people excited about what their future looked like. They brought evidence of what God was wanting to bring them into and what God wanted to do for them next. And so here's, here's, here's where it gets really beautiful. Here's where it gets pretty interesting. Verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation. So they're bringing back their report. Uh, they've done the reconnaissance. They've collected the intelligence. They've collected the data. And now they're submitting their report their official debrief. Verse 27 says, Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly, I mean, this ain't no lie. Moses, this land is flowing with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Just in case you think we're making this up, just in case you think we're embellishing, no, 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 no. Here is the proof of what's just on the other side of this border. And, 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 but verse 28, there's an interesting conjunction that they use because they, it's almost like they say, what do you want first, Moses and Aaron? Do you want the good news or you want the bad news? And they give them the good news first, that the land is flowing with milk and honey nevertheless. Come on, somebody. Listen, uh, depending on where you put that word, it can totally negate and nullify everything that came before it. So they give the nation of Israel the good news, and then they follow the good news up with this one single solitary word, nevertheless. Hey, I want you to discount everything I just told you, and here's why. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and they're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, meaning we saw giants in the land. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and all along the banks of the Jordan. And this created an uproar in the camp of Israel. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that the story doesn't end in verse 29. I'm so grateful that our story and your story doesn't end with a nevertheless. I'm so glad that your story, even in the midst of COVID-19, does not end with verse 29. I'm grateful that there is a verse 30. And I want you to hear that and I want you to receive that for your own self. Listen, often... There will be a promise that separates the promise of God. There will be a problem that separates you from the promise of God. There will be a problem that separates you from the purpose of God. And you've got to find, you've got to dig in and go beyond verse 29 and find your own verse 30. There has to be, there has to be a Caleb response when life throws a nevertheless at you. Listen to me. This is what Caleb said. Then Caleb quieted the people. And he said, 
let us go up at once. You know what Caleb was saying? I don't know what these guys are talking about. I don't know what they saw. But listen, we need to go up right now. Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Listen to Caleb's response. May I, listen, may I submit to you, Converge Nation, that the life of faith and the walk of faith is not about public opinion. That the life of faith and the walk of faith is not uh, 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 fleshed out by committee. That the life of faith and the walk of faith will all often find you in isolation. That the life of faith and the walk of faith is not about majority rule. There were 12 spies who went in, all of them leaders, all of them influencers, but only two out of the 10 came back with a good report. Listen to me, it is critically important that you guard what you hear and who you hear and how you hear, because what you hear determines how you respond. Listen to me, it is critically important in this season that you guard against the wrong influences. Now, uh, let me just clarify what's happening here. Or let me clarify what it means to walk by faith. Walking by faith doesn't mean you deny that there are giants. Walking by faith does not mean you dismiss the fact that there are obstacles. Walking by faith simply means you see the opportunities in spite of the obstacles. Walking by faith means you see the grace of God in spite of the presence of giants. Walking by faith means you choose. Listen, choosing faith over fear means you choose to lay hold of the promise of God instead of being intimidated by the problem. Now, let me tell you why that's tough. Because sometimes what you and I see is more real than what God said. I'll say that again. Part of the struggle that we have in choosing faith over fear is that sometimes what we see is so much more real than what God said. And how do I choose what God said? Oh, here it is. Or what I thought God said over what I'm seeing right now, over what I'm experiencing right now. There's giants in there, man. And those giants exist to keep me from the promise of God. Yet Caleb saw something totally different. He saw the giants, acknowledged the giants, but what he also acknowledged was that his God was greater and his God was bigger than any obstacle that the land presented because he knew his God. Let's close here with Numbers chapter 14 because this is where I'm going to land. We said a couple of things here already that if we don't understand the battle that we're engaged in, we will employ the wrong strategy. 
what we have to recognize is even though there are things that we're experiencing in the natural, ultimately, we fight this battle and we win this battle engaging spiritually, not just physically or secularly or economically or medically. We need to do all those things, but ultimately the battle is won spiritually. Listen, there are things in life that you and I will experience, but God doesn't want you to fight it. He just wants you to face it. Listen, I have seen in my own life personally that when I showed up, when I simply showed up, God showed out. In fact, there are several places in scripture where the nation of Israel was under siege, one of them being 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And the Lord told them to come early in the morning to line up in their ranks. And he says, you will not need to lift a finger. He says, you will stand still and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Because sometimes all God wants you to do is face it and he will fight it. And here's why. Here's why. All God needs you to do is just show up just so, so he can manifest his glory and his power and his presence through you. It's difficult for God to do any of those things if you're not even willing to show up. And the intimidation of the enemy is for that reason and for that reason alone. He doesn't want you to show up. He wants to so distract you and so disrupt uh, your rhythm in life that you choose not to even show up because it seems like a lost cause. And that's what that's what the 10 spies did. In fact, they're like, man, let's pick ourselves another leader because Moses, he's going to lead us to destruction. The, 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 the enemy wants you to walk away when God is instructing you to walk toward that thing that frightens you. Here's what I know. You and I can only conquer what we confront, and you can only confront what you identify, and you can only identify it if you're willing to face it. And I don't know what's got you intimidated in this season. Listen to me. Listen to me. Just this week, because of the generosity of our church, because of the generosity of our church, we sent out eight benevolence checks to meet needs of people in our church right now. Again, it's because of the generosity. But those are things that can intimidate you. Those could be the giants in the land that are keeping you from believing God beyond what's happening now. Those are the things that can keep you from even wanting to believe for anything next. Those are the kind of things that want to keep you confined in your land of just enough when God says, no, 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 no. This is only temporary. I'm bringing you into a season of more than enough. And that's where we have to learn to trust what God said more than what I see. I hope somebody is hearing this this morning. He doesn't want you to fight it. He just wants you to face it. He just wants you to confront it. He just wants you to wake up every single morning and stand up and face it. And as you do that, the Lord will fight the battle for you. Okay, so this is where I'm going to close. A different spirit. Numbers chapter 14. So God wasn't too pleased with their evil report. In fact, there was a judgment that came upon not just the 10 leaders, but the 10 tribes that they led and influenced. Because the tribes that they led and influenced almost started a mutiny against Moses, against Joshua, and against Caleb. And can I just say this? I'm so glad that Caleb wasn't alone. I think faith needs friends. <laughs> I think faith needs friends. And I, I, I pray that as you navigate this season, you're not doing it alone. 
that there is a community of faith that you have surrounded yourself with. And I'm so glad that at Converge Church, we have an authentic community of faith. In fact, my wife just shared a testimony uh, with uh, two of the women from Converge Her, which is our women's ministry. And, and, and one of the ladies who was a part of our community of faith just went through a cancer treatment. And uh, she was on the women's Zoom Bible study. Well, there was another lady from our church who was on that Zoom Bible study. And today, unsolicited, she went by her house, man, and brought juice and fruit. And, and again, unsolicited. You know why? You know why? Because faith needs friends. You see, Caleb couldn't have done this by himself. Uh, Caleb had Joshua. And that's why the scripture talks about the power of agreement. Listen, make sure in this season, it's, let me put it this way, it's, 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 it's better to have one Joshua in your corner than 10 spies who bring back an evil report. Notice, faith is not about majority rule. It is not about majority rule because faith is only and always about coming into agreement and alignment with what God said, not just what you saw. So, so as we close, here's Caleb and there's Joshua. And spiritually, as they're preparing to cross over into God's promise, these are the two out of 12 men who were of a different spirit. Notice their testimony. Numbers chapter 14, beginning at verse 36. The scripture says, Now the men whom Joshua sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. They didn't only remain, but notice their testimony. We've got to back this thing up a few verses. And notice what the scripture says. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. God wants to do something so miraculous Something so notable that everybody sees and recognizes this was the hand of the Lord. This was a notable miracle wrought by the hand of the Lord, and it is undeniable. And ultimately, God gets all the glory for it. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 16, he says, uh, let your light so shine before men. Part of our light is choosing faith over fear. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, choosing faith over fear for Caleb and Joshua meant that God would be glorified through them. Choosing faith over fear in our lives in this season means that others will take note and they will see that we have relied and leaned into God's faithfulness, his presence, and his power, and it will become attractive to them. Uh, uh, verse 22, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these 10 times. Listen, God was keeping score. He was like, listen, this is the 10th time y'all done put me to the test. And all I'm trying to get you to do is cross over from just enough into more than enough. All I'm trying to get you to do is see, to see the opportunity, not just the obstacle. What I'm trying to get you to do, right, is to see my goodness, my grace, my glory 
not just the giants, but every single time, these 10 times, y'all tested me. Listen, and he says, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, but my servant Caleb, this is his distinction. This is where Caleb distinguishes himself from the other spies. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has allowed and has followed me fully, I will bring into I'll bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Now, this was no small task. It was about 40 years later when Caleb stood before the congregation of Israel once again at 85 years old. And Caleb says, I am as strong today as I was then. Now give me this mountain. Listen, faith is not an overnight proposition. Caleb believed in Numbers chapter 13 that God had a portion reserved for him and his descendants. The fulfillment of it didn't come until much later, actually until 40 years later. But Caleb never wavered in his faith or his commitment to God and God's promise. Listen, if we're going to choose faith over fear, agree with God. And by agreeing with God, that means I need to choose what God said over what I see. Align your heart with God's purpose and trust that he will bring it to pass. When we simply take him at his word, not denying that the giant exists, but acknowledging that our God is so much bigger than every obstacle and every giant that might be in front of me. So today, the Lord is calling you to lay hold of everything that he has promised you and don't let go. And the fascinating thing about Caleb's name is it means dog. Not just any kind of dog, but the kind of dogs that have that dogged determination. Like when a pit bull locks in on something. God is saying to you, regardless of what you see, don't let go of what he said, what he promised. Because what he whispered to you in the light is still true when you walk through your darkest moments. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever with you and for you in Jesus' name. So, Father, we pray that you would give us the grace to be of a different spirit like you made Caleb of a different spirit. God, would you help us to be as Joshua, that we would recognize that salvation comes from your hand. And Lord, as we navigate uh, the uncertain times in which we live, the uncertain times that might be ahead of us, Father, we acknowledge that we don't have to be moved simply by what we see, but we can rest entirely upon what you said. And you said that if God be for us, who can be against us? You said, I was young, now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You said you would supply all of our need 
according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You said you would give us peace that passes all understanding that would guard our hearts and our minds in the midst of anxiety. So Lord, we choose in spite of what we may see to trust what you see. And your word is true. We rest in it. We walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me just say this to you, Converge Nation. If you follow us by email, we sent out a fantastic resource. It's called God's Promises for Tough Times. It's a PDF file that has, oh man, uh, 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 dozens of uh, promises from God's word for you uh, as it relates to anxiety or healing or provision or God's protection. We want you to take advantage of that resource so you can be reminded of what God said and choose to trust what God said. The second thing is we're working diligently with our team to make sure that we're providing ministry for the entire family. Uh, so starting this Sunday, uh, April 19th? No, April 19th. Yes, today is the 19th. I've lost track of time. Today, April 19th at 1 p.m. and every Sunday thereafter, uh, until further notice, our converged students uh, will be gathering on WebEx. If you'd like some more information about that, check out the email address on the screen. It's simply convergestudents at weareconverged.com. Uh, contact our leadership team there. They'll send you the uh, WebEx information so you can log in. And we're doing it that way to keep it secure uh, so that we don't have anyone who shouldn't be on uh, uh, joining the WebEx. We're super excited and they've got a phenomenal study uh, ready for our students that starts this Sunday, uh, April 19th at 1 p.m. Central. Make sure you contact them, uh, Converge students at We Are Converge. Also, uh, Converge Her, our women's ministry, uh, continue to meet on Tuesday uh, at 7 p.m. And our men, man, we had a phenomenal time, man, Thursday night. Uh, uh, Converge men on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central. And uh, we'd love to stay connected with you uh, that way. Once again, uh, we pray that you stay the course, uh, choose faith over fear, for without faith it's impossible to please God. And faith truly is the lifestyle of the Christ follower, because the just shall live by faith. We love you, Converge Church. God bless you, and have a fantastic week.